Uh, first of all, Tony, 35 years. 35 years. OMG, congratulations. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't bored when we started doing this, huh? Actually, um, yeah. I was, I was, I was just bored. I'll be 35 this year. Ah, I <laughs> Actually, my birthday is June 3rd, so I will be 35 oh. around the time you kick off the 35th. So there you well, go. Very good, well, thank you. We'll try to acknowledge that. So. It was kismet, it, it, it's, like we, it's like we knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> So walk me through, um, if you can, how people, you know, maybe they're just learning about the Film Fest DC, maybe they've known about it for a couple of years, but don't quite know the history of and what it takes to put something on for 35 consecutive years in DC. Well, we watch a lot of movies, starts with that. But, That's great. <laughs> but when we started the festival 35 years ago, there was no internet. There was no Netflix. Um, there was nothing like that. And we had to build the festival uh, pretty much um, with uh, just our bare hands to get it going. We had a lot of friends, had to raise money. Uh, but what it takes is looking at a lot of films. We look at sometimes 300 films to prepare for the 60 films or so we're showing this year. Uh, we go through them. We invite the films. We invite guests. Uh, when we were able to do it in actual movie theaters, uh, we would attract 16,000 people who would come to the movies to see these films that we're presenting. And by and large, they're films that <clears throat> if we didn't bring them to Washington, D.C., they wouldn't get seen here. And what does this year look like? Because we're sort of on that cusp of being able to go to theaters and do things again. But also you had to plan this months ago. So what, what does this year look like? Uh, well, this year we're a virtual film festival again. Um, we were virtual last year and we're very much hoping this will be the last time. Uh, we would have to do it this way and that we'll be able to greet our friends and supporters uh, in movie theaters next year. We have a lot of great films. We always feel we do that uh, and, our, and our audience tells us that. We're opening uh, with a French film um, called Lovers and it's a, a film about uh, a young girl who's pregnant, has a, a husband and such, and she's been asked to show his, his uh, cousin around and they begin to talk about past relationships, future relationships with it. And it's a very typical French comedy that we're opening with. Uh, then we're doing a couple, we're doing a special section this year that we haven't done in the past called DC For Real. And these are films made by DC filmmakers. Uh, we have uh, three feature films and a collection of short films by DC folks. And it's, they're very special. Each one is, is very different. Uh, we're very pleased with what we're able to find this year. Can you walk me through a couple of the DC film selections? Uh, yes, uh, we showing a great film. One film is called uh, Go Go City, Displacement and Protest in Washington, DC. Politics has nothing to do with my city, for real. Capitol Hill, the White House and all that. We have so much more to give. We have our own music. We have our own culture, food. That's what it was, and it always be Chocolate City. If you're a Washingtonian, you'll be sensitive to this. It's a go-go is sort of a homegrown music here, rock and roll music here, uh, and the film um, uses go-go to talk, and it's re people people's resistance to it who don't aren't familiar with it to talk about gentrification, how our city has really changed so much over over the years that people who uh, made their lives here and raised their families here um, are moving out and younger people, younger professionals are moving in to their neighborhood and what that means, what, what kind of contention uh, it, it created and what um, 
what we hope the future will bring uh, where it becomes a positive thing for our city. Uh, and then a film about Chinatown called Tale of Three Chinatowns made by two Asian American filmmakers who live here in Washington, DC. This was the beginning of our journey to meet the American dream. But Chinatown itself isn't just simply because the Chinese chose to live there. It's also a process of racial segregation. All Chinatowns, they have a history, a legacy that generations and generations have kept alive. The question is, can we preserve it? And it looks at the history of Chinatowns uh, in a number of cities and uh, focusing on Washington, D.C., uh, and how these Chinatowns, it goes back to gentrification again, and how these Chinatowns are changing, where at one point they had in D.C., the, the Chinese population was uh, 3,000, and now it's 300. Uh, and what that means, and it looks at the history of Asian Americans moving to Washington, D.C. So there are a lot of great films in this little package about D.C. Uh, that we're very happy and very pleased to be able to present. So talking about the start of the film festival 35 years ago, when films came like in cans and you had to screen yeah. them, was it because DC had so many film lovers who had an appetite or were you like, we need to educate these uncultured people about how great film is? The appetite was here. The appetite yeah. was here. When uh, we started, I think we showed, how many films did we show? Maybe 20, 25 films. I mean, we had then 5,000 people who came. And we, we didn't expect that number. Uh, now we do 16,000. But the appetite was here. DC's audience here is very sophisticated, a very sophisticated film audience. Uh, and they took right away to what we, what we thought were just great films all, from all over the world, from all over the world. The larger dialogues that we're having, gentrification, you know, life in the, in the city, that sort of thing. Or has, has that always been something that the Film Fest DC has had throughout its uh, slate of films? Well, it, it, we always try to, to keep pace with what's going on in the city and in the country and in the world. And filmmakers and their films reflect that. So they're always changing. And, and one of the joys of putting together Film Fest DC is that every year it's different. Uh, last year, for example, immigration was a very big topic, not only here in Washington, but throughout the world. Uh, this year, I think we're showing one film that has that as sort of a side issue of it because the issue has just changed and moved on now to issues like gentrification and urban uh, unrest. Uh, it just changes all the time. Um, in, in earlier times, international conflict uh, was an issue. Um, this year, there's not that many films that we found focusing on that. Uh, there are also a lot more comedies that we've been able to find this year. We do comedies and thrillers, special uh, sections of the, of the festival. Uh, and we find there are a lot more comedies. Why? Because people are, are have been living through the pandemic. Uh, and so filmmakers and film festivals want to find ways to lighten that, that pivot from um, a, a pandemic way of living to now a much more open way of living. So <clears throat> if people come to our festival, uh, they'll find that, uh, and those who have come over the years, they come because every year it's different. Every year it reflects their life in some way. How important is the filmmaker to hold up a mirror to society? Essential. Essential. These are very, there are a couple of things. One, they're very thoughtful scripts uh, that filmmakers look around their world and gather from their world the subject of their films. The other is that it's visual. It tells a story. People love stories. So even very complex 
uh, relationships and topics uh, can't, once they're put into a story form, they become much more understandable and accepted. And, and everyone loves stories. So if you're a filmmaker and, and you can capture uh, you, the world around you visually and you can get hold of a great engaging story, uh, you have a winner and you have support and you have people who appreciate what it is you do. What goes into selecting these films? How many people are looking at them? It seems like to, to find the slate that you found, it seems like a year long, full court, seven day a week process. You are absolutely correct. It takes a, a long time. Uh, we we go to other festivals um, when we're these festivals are in person. Most of the festivals in the previous year have been virtual for obvious reasons. Uh, but when we go to, to film festivals and see what's available there, and we get how many submissions? You know, well over 100, 150 submissions every year. Uh, filmmakers submitting their films, uh, hoping that we will take a look at them and put them in our festival. Uh, and this year, a number of, of, of the films in the festival came from from there. So it's that kind of process. There are three of us, essentially, who do that. Uh, there's myself, the deputy director, Shireen Garib, Linda Blackaby, who is uh, our main programmer, and she's out in San Francisco. Uh, I have the final say, only not because I'm brilliant, but only because someone has to have the final say, or we would be discussing these films forever and ever. So uh, somebody had to do it, and that person is me. Uh, but we. I think you're pretty it. brilliant too. Let's be. Let's well, be honest. Let's call that. it what it is. <laughs> I don't know if you like the film. Yes. If you don't like the film, I'm a bum. So I got to take the weight, and I just handle that and move on. Uh, but uh, we look at a lot of films. Uh, we each have different points of view uh, about the film. We learn all the time. People tell us about other films that we should take a look at. It's a year's ongoing process that can be grueling, but also very enlightening and a lot of fun. I've always wondered of people who have that selection process. When you sit down to watch a film, do you know in like the first 10 minutes, you're like, this is going to be awesome, or this is a dud, or do you like... How do you get to that process point and how could you possibly get to the end, like withhold judgment till the end of it? Uh, well, I don't. And well, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you one way, I tell you one way. This has nothing to do with science, right? Um, often I'm watching a film while I'm doing something else. I might be doing my email or, or something. Don't tell the filmmakers this, but you know, <laughs> you know, and if a film stops me from doing it and catches my attention, I'm going to watch that all the way through. There's something special happening up there that I want to take a look at. Uh, and, and then, you know, um, there are films like I don't like, and I wouldn't put it that way. I, I have questions about it, and I'll discuss it with a colleague. And, and then I, I learned this several, many years ago, is that this is not my film festival. This is the film festival for the audience, for people in Washington, uh, and then there might be a film that I might not like or I might not find particularly funny, but other people do. And I say, OK, let's put it in because this is what's called a crowd pleaser. People really are going to like this film. And then there are films that uh, because we see a lot of films, because I see so many films, there are certain films that will pop up to me and say, wow, you know, this is really special. But it might be a bit too experimental, a bit off the beaten track. Uh, or deal with a subject that is um, not particularly a, a popular uh, subject, but I, it touches me for some reason, or it touches Shireen, or it touches Linda uh, for some reason. And we know a lot of people are not going to show up for this film, but we feel strongly that 
if we show it, the people who do show up for it are going to feel that, again, this is one of the only places they would ever have the opportunity to see it. And I think that's our responsibility as well. So it's it's taking a lot of approaches to come down to the, the films that we're showing. You're kind of like a restaurant or a bar. You know that not, not everyone's going to order the liver and onions, but when they do, if they love it, it's like the best ever. Or the reason you have the Harvey Wallbanger in the corner of the bar, not everyone's going to get it, but you know what? The folks who do love it. Well, then, you know, the restaurant analogy is a great analogy um, because, uh, you know, people are saying now, well, people, people can cook at home. Mm-hmm. We can cook at home and eat at home, but we want to go to restaurants. We want honor adventures and to explore and be surprised. And we want to be around other people. The same still holds for films. People could sit home and watch Netflix all day, but they want to go to movies. You know, they want to be around other people. They want to see films they couldn't see normally on TV or anywhere else. And as long as that's the case, movie theaters will continue forever and ever. I think they will continue forever and ever, as will film festivals. You think that theaters will look a little, I hate the term look a little different, but do you think that theaters will have to reinvent themselves? Maybe offering better comfort or offering different menus or that kind of thing to get people back into the, like, do you think the like sticky floor, creaky seat theaters are, are going to be what's happening? Or In some places they are. In some places, if you go to Paris, there are all these kinds of what you would call sticky, sticky floor, but very small, tight, intimate kinds of things um, that, you just see all over the place. It's incredible. In the afternoon, you go to a movie theater and people are sitting around there watching it. But I do think that that the whole um, theater, movie theater scene is going to change. And uh, not always for the better. Uh, I think there'll be fewer theaters. Uh, I can give you, you know, talk a lot about what's happening in the, in the commercial film industry that's going to affect that. Uh, and then people have gotten used to staying home um, and watching films and feeling comfortable streaming films. That, that's a lot of competition there. Mm-hmm. And the economics of now of running a theater and keeping it going uh, are so different now. Uh, it's really challenging. Uh, but I do think because there is this real desire for people to get out and be around a, an audience and see a film and share that experience happening, movie theaters are going to continue no matter what. You may completely judge me now, but I have, <laughs> I have HBO Max and HBO was like, hey, We've got this Angelina Jolie movie we just put up. And you're like, what? In a real world, like in a regular world, we would have heard about an Angelina Jolie movie for roughly 18 months before the Angelina Jolie movie came out. And HBO was just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we got this Angelina Jolie movie. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Well, there are all these films that have been held back last year because of the pandemic and because theaters were closed. And they, they probably that film was a film that they had planned to open Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, but because of the pandemic, they didn't. And yeah. you, we're going to see in the in the, especially the summer months, pushing out towards the holidays, a lot of great big movies coming out. The competition that these studios have, they all have these great movies, the James Bond movie, and I can go on and on, that have been pushed back almost a year. That's really true, right? The Black Widow, all of those big movies. All that, plus, they have the films that they were planning to release. This now and in twenty in, in twenty twenty two, there are a lot of films that are going to be pushing out. It's good for a lot of eye candy. You go, we're going to be able to go see a lot of eye candy. <laughs> you know, because what are they going to do with these things? Yeah. they can't put them all on HBO Plus. They can't do it. So, what does that mean for a film festival like Film Fest DC? Is that better for you, or is that harder for you to to break through? 
Well, it's just, it's the same. See, we're showing films that you're not, a lot of these, you're not going to see it on HBO. You're mm -hmm. not going to see them on Netflix. I mean, they're, they're films that they're, where the distributors are in France or in Germany, in, in Brazil, in Japan. And those films have not been sold or bought by American distributors. So we're showing stuff that you can't see pretty much anywhere else. There are exceptions to that. You know, but most of it, you know, you can't see it. So we're going to be around. If you're interested in this kind of film, you know, you, you come to us you come, and we're happy to be here to serve. So we're going to be around. Stupid, like uneducated American question. How much of it is subtitle or how much of it is in English? Uh, most of it is in subtitle. A good chunk of it is in English. I have one to think it varies from year to year. Maybe now it's 50, 50, it's 50, 50. Uh, but we, I mean, we have like a, there was a thriller that I saw. Uh, where was this film from? The Netherlands. Um, I know Estonia. Estonia. There was this film I saw from Estonia. Uh, it was called um, Dawn of War. This great thriller about the beginning of World War II, and it's a the kind of you you would love a James Bond kind of thing, and sneaky spies and beautiful women and stuff. And it's not you're not going to find it on Amazon Prime, you know? You just, wow. And it's won awards at other festivals around the world. You're not gonna find it there. You know, you come to us, it's where you want to see it. And over time, people have trusted our tastes and, and show up year after year, you know? So, and then it makes us feel good. I'm sorry, go ahead, Tommy. No, you're good, Tony. Most important question of this whole thing, I think the most important question is, how do people watch Film Fest DC films this year with it being virtual? How do they get tickets? Go to our website. Thanks for asking. Filmfestdc.org. Filmfestdc.org. All the information is there. How to get tickets. We are inexpensive. Our tickets are $9 because we want people to be feel comfortable financially uh, coming. Um, $9. Uh, but you go filmfestdc.org. All the notes are there. There are photos there. The, the uh, trailers are there. Everything we could gather. And it looks great. Our, our website looks, looks really great this year. Uh, and uh, so it'll be a pleasant experience. Spend a little time, browse around. I'd be surprised if there's not something there for you. You know, we got a couple of musicals. We got films about ballet. Uh, we have thrillers. We have comedies. We're doing an outdoor screening uh, over at uh, the Wharf. We're doing an outdoor screening there. So you know, we're trying to reach out and and meet uh, meet folks where they are. Try to entertain them as well as educate them. The dates. How about the dates? Yes. Starts June 4th and goes through... The 13th. 10 days. 60 films, 35 countries, 10 days. One amazing film festival. And a 35-year DC tradition. And, a, and, a, and we, we could... We, well, after we did the first one, we were surprised we had to do it again and again and again. <laughs> we should have kept our mouth shut. <laughs>